Thank you. Okay, guys. Today's topic of Garden of Amuna is the topic of the power of prayer. Koach Shel Tefillah. The power of prayer. So let's discuss this for a moment, and we have a couple of questions on the table to discuss. Seda? What's the issue on the table? You know, when we talk about prayer, we need to put some questions on the table. There's some serious questions I'd like to put forth on the table. Question number one, what is prayer? Let me define my question more specifically. Is prayer for the weak and the lazy? Because the rest of the people, they go out and take care of it by themselves. There's that infamous saying, right? Religion is of the masses. What does that mean? So you have a choice. You're in a bind, a pickle. And what are you going to do? Well, one of two things. Either you're going to go out and work hard and fix up what you've got to fix up and go make it happen. Or plan B for the faint of heart. Let's pray. It's an issue we need to discuss. What is prayer? Another question about prayer which comes up is, is it nice to pray for yourself? Is it nice to ask God this, this, and this, and don't forget that, and please, medium rear, well done. Maybe the nicer thing is, we should only pray for other people. Mitpalel bad chavero. Shouldn't ask God anything for myself. Just want to ask God for other people. I have this friend, that friend, me. Who am I to ask? I just say thank you for what I have. Interesting enough, may sound noble. Yet, if you do do this, you have not fulfilled the obligation of prayer. Because the obligation of prayer, as defined by the codifiers of Jewish law, is to ask for your needs. So if you decide that today, I'm not going to ask nothing for myself. I'm going to ask for this one, and that one, and that one, and this one. At the end of the day, you didn't pray. You didn't fulfill the mitzvah of prayer. So, that's another question. How nice is it to ask God for our needs? Please give, 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 give. Another question I put down here. This question is interesting. Is prayer only to get the things you deserve? Interesting question. In other words, I'm asking God and God said no. Why would God say no? He's saying no because I don't deserve it. Oh, so that means prayer is to get what you deserve. Because what you don't deserve, even prayer won't get to you, right? That's an interesting question on the table. And if that is the case, we have a little problem. Because in the Torah it says, If you'll do my mitzvahs, you'll get A, B, and C. It doesn't say there that you have to pray to get it. <laughs> so I hire you to do a job. You did the job, but I'm not paying you because you didn't say please. <laughs> What's prayer? It's kind of a weird situation. 
On one hand, do I believe that prayer only gets me what I deserve? And that's why sometimes God says no, because I don't deserve it. But if I do deserve it, why do I need prayer? I should get it without praying. God promised. If you do this, you get that. So what does prayer do? Another question. No, but it doesn't say if you don't pray, you don't get anything else. You honor your father and mother, you have long life. You don't have to pray for it. Simply, if you honor your father and mother, you get long life. I'm not saying this is the case. I'm just presenting questions on the table. We're talking about the power of prayer. We're talking about the power of prayer in reference to a munah. We need to talk about this. Another question. Question number four. What is the power of prayer? Which is kind of connected to the last question. Is the power of prayer to get what I would not get if I didn't pray? That means you wouldn't get this. But if you pray for it, you'll get it. But if you don't pray for it, you won't get it. Kind of connected a little bit to the last question. And then one final question, which basically is a huge question of today's topic. Is it possible to pray without a Muna? Is it possible to pray to God without believing that God will answer your prayer? Let's see if we can get a little bit deeper. Is it possible to pray without really believing that God is listening to your prayer? So we use the word prayer as some hand-me-down, secret power, segula, amulet. Let's talk about it. What is prayer? What does prayer do? What is the power of prayer? Why should I be praying every day for myself? I need this, 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 I need that. Why? Like I said, and if you don't pray for yourself, you decide today I'm going to be humble, today I'm going to be someach bechelki, I'm going to be happy with what I have, Hashem, what do you need? Nothing. It's okay, I'm cool. Nothing? Well, for me, nothing. But I have this friend needs a shidduch, and this friend needs a business, and this friend needs a health, and this friend needs a... You know, it goes on and on. And if you do that, you didn't pray. You didn't fulfill the mitzvah of prayer. Let me say it better. You did not fulfill the mitzvah of prayer. And then this usually blows people's minds away. Because people are so proud to tell me, Rabbi, I don't pray for myself. And they usually are very shocked when I tell them back that that is the most arrogant thing you can do. We're going to talk about that in a moment. So these are the questions on the table. And obviously the final question is, is the big kicker of tonight. I will share with you something interesting. Probably, what did this guy tell me? You're an FFB, from from birth. <laughs> I knew a new initials I got to my name. I'm a BT and you're an FFB. I'm about to shuv and you're a from from birth. So following that vernacular for a moment, see FFBs probably are more challenged with prayer than BTs. <laughs> Why? Very simple why. Because you can be sure that when I was uh, four years old, 
I wasn't talking to God the slightest. I was talking to my teacher's ruler that was going to hit my fingernails if I didn't <laughs> daven. That was that simple. So there wasn't this whole talk to God. What talk to God? It was, you want to go to recess? You better daven. And we grew up with this davening as a ritual that you just had to do. It isn't until you get older where they start telling you what well, you know what davening is. On the other hand, someone who didn't daven until they're older, and all of a sudden they're introduced to davening, they're not introduced to davening as, say this now. They're introduced to davening with the beauty of prayer. Talk to God. Ask God. Communicate with God. But believe it or not, one can very interestingly say, that many people who have davened all their life, I'm not going to say daven without a munah, but on a normal day, I don't think they're really focused on who's on the other end of this line. I don't think it's really a very deep conversation as much as it is, oh my God, I woke up late, I got to finish davening, I got to get to work. So that last question is a very interesting question that when I actually wrote down that question, I was actually thinking that in our situation, probably, probably, those who have davened all their life and don't remember ever not davening, are probably more challenged with that question, whether you can daven without emunah. Now don't get me wrong, you ask someone who davened all their life, whether they believe that God's listening to the prayer, they'll hit you over the head. <laughs> of course. Of course I believe in God. Of course I believe in God. Really? You were talking to Him this morning? And then it's like, you know, you got to stop and think. Well, yeah, I was talking to Him, but it's a mitzvah. I was just saying the words. And you got to say these words. And then the city was done by these people. And the Mishnah set it up. The order of blessings. And da, 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 da. It's, it's a very interesting question. I would tell you that many people, Davin, I wouldn't say without a munah, but without a conscious thought of, I right now believe that I'm going to talk to Hashem, and Hashem is going to entirely listen to what I'm saying. Put things in proper reference. Those who, who were by their ever blessed memory, either for a private audience or dollars, it's very interesting that in interviews, they always say the same thing almost all of them say the same thing. They were so taken by the fact that at, for those couple of seconds when they were standing in front of the Rebbe, it was very clear that they were the only existence in the Rebbe's conscious mind right now. They felt that. They clearly felt that right now the Rebbe probably has two sacks of mail still waiting for him. The Rebbe's got all the organizations and all the shluchim all over the world he's got to deal with. And he did that. But right now, right now, the Rebbe is thinking only about me. Now I'm going to use that feeling and question whether I feel that way when I pray. Do I realize that, yeah, Hashem's got a big company that He's running. But right now, when I sit down to pray, the only thing, quote-unquote, 
And God's conscious mind, quote-unquote, is that I am talking to Him, and He, capital H, is absolutely listening to me. It doesn't make a difference that what I'm asking for right now is like a joke of a joke in the realm of His big budget. But right now, He's listening to me. And right now, my little needs are the most important things in His agenda. So question number five is a real question. Is it possible to pray without that amunah? There's something very interesting between prayer and amunah that works together. And then we need to understand what is the power of prayer. How does prayer get me what I would not have gotten if I didn't pray? So it's not a question whether I deserve this. If I deserve it, then God's going to give it to me. I'm just talking about practical. There's other ways of approaching this, whether the prayer has to bring it down from the spiritual to the physical. It's all fine. There's judgment every day. But I'm just talking about practically speaking in the simple sense. Not that the deeper levels aren't practical, but just in the simple sense. If I earn something from God, then it would be safe to believe, I, I would think, that God's going to give it to me without prayer. I don't need to pray to get that. I, I earned it. It's what He told me. So what's the power of prayer to get what you don't deserve? And how does that work? So that's pretty much how I lined up the questions so that we can really get a grip on why are we talking about the power of prayer in relationship to Emunah. What is prayer? What, what is prayer? Let's talk about that. What is prayer according to the teachings of Hasidus? What is that whole thing that you hear that Hasidim daven for six hours, they hid in an attic, they would daven. There's this famous story about this one Hasid who put his talus over his shoulder called Nidre before he came early to Shul. And he stayed like that for the entire duration of, of Yom Kippur, deep in thought. They actually build little mechitzes around him that no one should bother him. What was going through his mind? What goes through the mind of a chassid that sits in front of a wall, eyes closed, words being said sporadically, like, you know, he didn't just daven the whole davening. He was deep in thought, his face was red, tears, the wall was sweating, not just he was sweating from the heat that he was giving off. And every once in a while, a couple of more words from the prayer. Stop, back into the meditation. What's going on there? What is the entire process of real prayer. The Alter Rebbe said he had a choice to go to Vilna or to go to Mazrich. And he said in Vilna they teach you how to learn, in Mazrich they teach you how to daven, and the Alter Rebbe said about himself, learn, I know a little bit, so let me go learn how to pray. Well, learn how to pray? The Alter Rebbe didn't go to Cheder, he didn't know, comments, Alephah, put it together, Amar. What was he learning how to pray? He didn't know the laws of prayer. What does that mean? Simply speaking, the Hasidic service, art, hard work of prayer is to become connected to God. To absolutely, consciously feel that presence of Hashem. If I go back to that metaphor I used 
about how a person felt when they stood in front of the Rebbe, in front of, by the elevator room every Sunday morning where the Rebbe would give out a dollar, when you were in conversation for a brief moment or whatever it was. That feeling doesn't just happen. You don't wake up, take a shower, eat your oatmeal cereal, or whatever you're going to do, go ahead and give a quick check on your portfolio, check out the weather, give another check into the mirror. Okay, let's quickly dive in, let's go. It doesn't just happen like that. So when we talk about this concept of feeling, of being connected, and of feeling the connection with God, that's the hard work of prayer. That's an extremely hard work of prayer. Let's go further for a moment. Let's take it a step further. What we're talking about here is not just feeling that God exists, not just feeling that God is listening to me, but here's another step, a very important step in prayer that's really based on emunah of what we've been reading that Moses has been telling the Jewish people these last two weeks. He keeps on warning us that you should not think it is with the strength of my mighty hands that I have won this war and I have earned this living and I have built up this multi-million dollar company. At some level, feeling connected by prayer is actually understanding the famous verse, Olam Chesed Yibaneh. The world was built by the kindness of God. To really understand that I have what I have only because of the unconditional free kindness of God. That's not easy. That's not easy at all. That's ex actually extremely challenging. It's, it's very humble. It's extremely challenging. It's really a problem. To go ahead and believe that I have what I have only because of God's kindness. It isn't because I wake up every morning 6 o'clock. It isn't because I think and I do my research and I work hard and I'm a go-getter. Nothing. It's because of chesed chinam unconditional, free kindness of God. They tell the story that uh, at a Sheva Brachis where two Reichman brothers happened to have been sitting, Reichman is a very, very affluent family in Toronto. They asked one of the brothers, no, 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 tell us, give us a tip, give us a secret, how'd you make it? Reichman brothers, how'd you guys make it? So the brother that they were bothering wasn't interested in answering. He just didn't answer. He didn't want to get into conversations. He's by a Sheva Brachas. He didn't hear the talk. How he made money. Didn't so he knew the other brother. The other brother said, Do you want to know? I'll tell you. 98% mazal and 2% brains. All of a sudden, the quiet brother kicked in. And we pray every single day that those 2% shouldn't get in the way. Interesting conversation. And yet, these people, mazal or not mazal, they don't play Russian roulette with their business. They're on top of the game. Extremely on top of the game. Which is a different conversation which we have to have one time. The my hard work, versus or 
how does it mate with what we're talking about now. But we'll leave that alone for right now. Right now I want to talk to you about what it means to pray. What does it mean to be able to stand in front of Hashem and to know that even though I do my hard work, Birchat Hashem Hitit Asher. What makes rich is the blessing of God. So you can go ahead and put all the vessels that you need to put. But the vessels need to be filled. And our hard work does not fill vessels. Our hard work builds vessels that need to be filled by Hashem. Let's back up for a moment. You know, the 12-step program, I'm not going to say it's Torah, but it's amazing stuff that actually has a lot that you can fall back on the teachings of Torah. There's actually, in back of you in the library, there's actually a book written by Rabbi Tversky on the 12 steps from a Torah perspective, and he, he used, uh, he's very interesting. You know, in the 12 steps, there's a very, very interesting process. In the 12 steps, you can't pray to God before you surrender. You have to surrender before you pray to God. That's just the way the steps are lined up. Very interesting. Why? Why do you have to surrender? The Reichmans didn't, yeah. The Reichmans didn't surrender. They worked hard. And they davened. Hashem should bless their hard work. Why don't we do that in the 12 steps? Don't surrender. Work. You can get over this. And then pray that Hashem should help you work. It doesn't work that way. You have to first surrender, and then you can hand it over to God. And the reason is because in the process of surrender, I'm not going to quote the exact words, but in the process of surrender, what you're actually saying is that we have come to realize that we are helpless. Only after we realize that we're helpless, and that what we are doing to help ourselves has not worked, then comes the step of let go, let God. So, you have to first somehow be able to leave go. To really surrender it all up to Hashem. To really be able to say, I cannot do this on my own. I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried. So I'm not asking you God to bless my work because my work is fruitless. So what I need to do now is first completely surrender and realize that there is nothing I can do to change the situation. Only after I come to that realization that the capital I is not working then we can go now and give it over to the real capital I, knowing that he could handle the situation. Let's quote Talmud here. I'm not here to give a 12-step class. Let's quote Talmud. Talmud says a very interesting thing. The Talmud says pretty much in Aramaic, Hebrew, what the 12 steps says. That if... Not for God helping me, I would not be able to battle my Yitzhara. Very interesting. 
So you have to fight and fight and fight and fight and fight, but the end is it doesn't make a difference anyway because really it's all about God. So the fighting really is all about let go, let God, rather than coming up with these great plans where you realize that you're smarter than your Yitzhahara, you're stronger than your Yitzhahara. No, not happening. Yitzhahara is stronger than you. Yitzhahara is smarter than you. You will not beat the Yitzhahara. It just won't happen. The Talmud says, HaKadosh the Holy One, blessed be He. He's stronger than the Yitzhahara. And the Holy One blessed be He is fighting your battle. Oh, now you can win. But if the Holy One blessed be He is not fighting your battle, you're going down. You're going down big time. What does that mean? How does that work? You see, the power of prayer is to stop fighting. The power of prayer is to connect to God. And now... You're not coming to war, me, against it. Rather, it's I've connected with God. So now it's God against it. So the power of prayer is to actually say that it's not about me and what I deserve. It's actually about God, God's goodness, and what God does do. So the real process of prayer is, as we find by Jacob, when he prayed to God, he said, Katonti mikolach sadim. I, Jacob, I am undeserving. This isn't about me. It's about you. It's about you and your greatness. You and your unconditional kindness. So what prayer really is all about is being able to rather than put yourself in the picture and figure out how many weapons you have lined up and how much you deserve and how strong you are. It's rather being able to understand Olam Chesed Yibaneh. The world exists and is sustained simply by the unconditional free Chesed of Hashem. The kindness of Hashem. And that's why prayer is all about transferring your identity from the main being the body and the soul being nothing more than a, and a power to the body, it's rather just the opposite. The process of prayer is where you work it over until you realize that your identity is your soul in a leased car called the body. And it isn't about the capacity of your body. It's about how much your car, your body, can get out of the way to the soul. And the more transparent the body becomes to the soul, the more you're working on soul power versus body power. Now we're talking about working on God energy rather than working on the almighty Avrumi energy. 
is the process of real prayer as it's permeated and founded upon emuna. And that's why you had that beautiful saying, stop telling God how big your problems are, start telling your problems how big God is. That is a transformational thought that comes through prayer with emuna. What's the difference how big God is? I'm not that big, and I got problems. God doesn't have problems. I got to deal with problems. God doesn't have to deal with problems. We have a situation here. But if through the help of prayer, you realize, no, it's not about me having problems and trying to convince God to help me with my problems. It's all about God. And that is the deep message of Hannah's prayer. And that is why Ailey thought that she was drunk. And Ailey, the high priest, wanted to throw Hannah out of the holy temple. And Hannah answered him, I'm not drunk, I'm a very sober woman. But I'm praying to God. That's the Haftorah of Rosh Hashanah. She's praying for her child. And what was she praying for? You know, we read the story as if it's just a normal, regular, you know. <laughs> there's a sleeping beauty and there's Cinderella. And then there's Hannah and Samuel the prophet. It's all wonderful stories. You stop for a moment to think what she was praying for. She was praying for a child that she promised she will give away. at the tender age of three, post-nursing. She wasn't asking for a child that she can go ahead and keep in her house and take to Olin Mills and put pictures all over her wall and tell everyone, this is my child. Did you see my child? He's got these shoes and that. He's so adorable. She prayed for a child that she was going to bring to the Holy Temple and make him a Nazir. Give him away. All she prayed for was to merit to have a child who will serve God and serve God's people. You understand what's going on here with the prayers? You understand what it means to pray to God? Not for me, my, and I, but to pray that I should merit to be a conduit for what God wants. To pray to be able to be rich so that I will be able to be God's banker and support God's causes. To pray to be healthy, so that I can with true health and inner peace really learn God's Torah. So you're working it over in your mind. You're working it over. It's not just a munah that God's listening to my prayer. It's a munah that it's all about God's kindness. It isn't about my negotiating with God. Well, this is what I deserve, but do me a favor, I need a little bit extra. It's actually that amazing process of a real transformation of mindset between body and soul. Who's here to serve who? 
Let's make it practical. Simple practical, I mean. How many people think that Shabbos is a great day where you can rest so that Monday you can go back to the office? Just plain simple, right? How many people realize that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we work, and Friday, we work, so that Shabbos, we can sit with our family, daven like a mensch, learn. How many of us, Friday night after Friday night, are falling asleep at the table because of the work? How many people are at Shabbos by day, we must take a siesta. There's a big week coming up. Understand where the identity crisis happens here? So Shabbos is the soul, and the six work weeks, for work days of the week, is the body. You see how clear all of a sudden we're having that we might have an identity crisis here? We don't know who's here to serve who. Who's the main dish and who's the side dish? Who's the support to what? The body and the soul. The relationship I have with God. That whole process... Is a very serious process of prayer. And that is the challenge of emunah in prayer. That is the real challenge of emunah. To really be able to come to terms that I completely surrender. There is no yodi. There is no my might, my brains, my strength. It really is chesed Hashem. It really all is about the kindness of Hashem. So no, I'm not coming as I am I, and I got this big brother who's going to help me. Rather, it's surrendering the I. And now, it's like God told Moses, you remain silent, I will fight for you. This is my war, not your war. You're my people. The war is happening through you. But it's not your war, it's my war. What are you convincing? You're convincing a father that his son deserves to be helped? Is that what this conversation here is? How many times do we find ourselves really in a battle with Hashem? How many times do we find our perception of prayer, God's looking out for His needs, and I'm looking out for my needs. I will negotiate. I'll give you a couple of your needs, you'll give me my needs. You need me to do the mitzvahs. I need you to take care of my bank account. So let's make a deal. Let's, let's come to the table. Let's talk. And the whole approach is that God and I are on different teams. That's what's so painful in marriages and relationships. When you come to the table, instead of being open to embrace, we're all got our guards up. Because that one's only looking out for what they need. I got to protect my interests. And here goes the fight. And here goes the act. What a different perspective when you don't feel that way. Where you feel that the other one is actually solely looking out for your interest. Because they really feel one with you. What's that famous saying they say in the hood? Ain't mama happy, ain't no one happy. It's one. This isn't about me and you. This is a total different relationship here. 
It's not like, okay, I'm going to have to bargain God, I'm going to have to nudge Him. Can He please already help me? Why don't you care about me, God? Look at this one, look at that one. Okay, so I wasn't doing what you want, let's make it up. I'll start doing this mitzvah. Now you're happy, now will you help me? That's not called davening with Emunah. That's still me, I, you. It's very important that beginning process of the 12 steps. Because prayer is absolute surrender. It's surrender of the I, and I can, and I should, and I have, and, and you owe it to me, and I'm strong enough to do this. Now you understand why not praying for yourself is actually arrogant? What does that mean when you're not praying for yourself? It's what you're telling Hashem, don't worry. Really, I, the little I, I can take care of myself. That one, that one needs your help. That's arrogant. And that's why the mitzvah of prayer is there. For us to consistently know. There is no I can take care of myself. There is only chesed Hashem. That's all that exists. Everything exists by the chesed of Hashem. By the kindness of Hashem. And the only hope we have is to get into that position again. Where Hashem tells us. You remain silent. This is my fight. Yeah, you guys are the ones going through it. Because you're me. You're my people. It's a whole different approach. It's a prayer in the power of Amuna. And that kind of answers all the five questions we asked before. You know, I once heard... Did I crying by Fabrengen over that verse where King David says, A bird finds a nest. God takes care of everyone. Every creature is taken care of. How does it come that we think that God won't take care of us? That's the question we need to face. When we want to dab with a munah. So you think that because we're bad, so God won't take care of us. As if that everything that God did take care of me is because I earned it. What someone tell me? Someone, uh, a friend I have who's, thank God, 26 years sober. So he, he helps me, you know, to learn the things uh, from the 12 steps. He, so I had an interest in it. So he told me there's an alcoholic and then there's alcoholism. What's alcoholism? The ism is I, self, me. That's an addiction. I, self, me. And many of us have that addiction and that's the way we come to pray. Full-blown addicts. I, self, me. It isn't about let go, let God. It isn't about God's power. It isn't about the, that amazing understanding that's all chesed of Hashem. It's I, self, me, the ism. That's not called praying with Emunah. That's still wanting to be in the driver's seat. That's still wanting to say, this war is about me and the Sahara. Rather than saying, this is God's war. May I merit to be a soldier in God's war. 
So we're talking about the power of prayer of Amuna. So I want to just close it up and sum it up as follows. When we talk about the prayer with Amuna, it's actually being able to leave go of your identity and your own limitations and your own powers. It's actually to enter and engage with understanding that I am a part of Hashem's world. It's about Hashem's war. It's about Hashem's kindness. That's what I'm looking for in prayer. And thus I can really at some point say, I'm going to stop telling God how big my problems are. I'm really going to tell my problems how big God is. And that's it for today, guys. Thanks.